Hi, everyone. You are listening to For Those We Lost. I'm your host, Jennifer Sullivan. Thank you for being here. If you've lost a loved one to COVID and would like to share your story on the show, please send me an email. My email address is for those we lost podcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website for those we lost podcast.com and click on the contact button and reach me that way as well. This show won't ever have a members area or episodes that you have to pay to listen to, but there are expenses to hosting a podcast. And if you'd like to help, you can support this show at buymeacoffee.com backslash for those we lost. In this show, people share their stories of losing a loved one to COVID. As the pandemic continues, many of us feel the weight of the world wanting to move on and the pain of our loss that holds us tight. For us, there is no avoiding the ever-present reminder that we lost a loved one to COVID. It is with us every day, everywhere. What you hear in each story is grief, sadness, and love. We will more than likely talk about the vaccine and maybe a little bit about politics, and you may not agree. But I hope you'll keep listening. I hope you'll stay to the end of each episode and realize that each person who openly shares here has experienced deep grief over the loss of a loved one. And that's something we will all experience. We all love someone. We will all lose someone we love and we will all grieve. These are the stories of those we lost to COVID. Thanks for being here with me. This is episode 20, and I've got a powerful show coming up for you. Today, I'll be talking to Laura in Missouri. Laura lost her mom to COVID in October 2021. When Laura reached out to me, she said she wanted to tell her mom's story to share the humanity behind the pandemic. Laura's mom, Julie Yepsen, was a wife for over 40 years. She was a mother, and she was Grandma Julie to her six grandkids. She was a giving, caring human, and she died of COVID during a time in our history when her choices could be questioned. I hope you won't do that, and here's why. I'm recording this introduction on March 16th, 2022. Yesterday, there were approximately 1,500 deaths from COVID in the United States. Each one of those people had a family who loved them and they are now part of our COVID grief community. I don't want them to grieve in isolation. Laura decided to share her mother's story rather than grieve quietly and feeling alone. For context, we recorded this episode on February 16th, 2022. Laura mentions a national COVID memorial and there is a movement to make that a reality. That link is in the show notes below. Finally, I've included a link to interstitial cystitis, the chronic bladder disease Laura's mom had. And with that, I'd like to welcome Laura to the show. Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you. Yeah. You are located in Missouri. Yeah, I'm in a suburb outside of Kansas City called Liberty. Um, You know, it's a good sized suburb, probably 45,000 people. Wow. Yeah. And your mom is who we're talking about today. And she lived in Iowa about three or so hours away from you. Yeah, my mom um, and my dad uh, were married 43 years. And they, you know, they were both uh, born and raised in a small farm town of about 5,000 people. And they went off to college, but then um, ended up moving back. And so I was raised not only with my parents, but um, my mom's sister lived in town with her boys and my all both sets of my grandparents lived in town. So I had a sweet little childhood of mm. um, lots of family around, which was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that that sounds nice. I grew up in a really small town, so I can relate to 
just having lots of friends and family around. Yeah, such a treasure. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Where I want to start is I want to go back to March of 2020 and just have you briefly talk about what happened with your family at that time and how things changed for you and changed for your parents and how you sort of got together and saw each other. Sure. Um, I mean, man, March of 2020. I know. Long time ago. We were really <laughs> creeping up on two years. But I was, um, March of 2020, I was pregnant with what would become our third child. And so I remember, um, you know, my husband going off to work one day and saying, you know, they've sent an email home just telling kids to take their, um, he works at a school district. So they said to take their iPads home that, you know, the, the kids in the district, um, because they might not be coming back after spring break. And my mind was just blown. Like what, you know, like, I don't even think there's one case of COVID in town, you know, but like, you're not going back. And he just said, this is going to be a big deal. And, um, I talked with my mom, you know, recently my mom and I were, you know, good phone talkers. You know, I remember we were thinking of, of coming to visit and, you know, she kind of had been watching the news and just saying, yeah, we should get a visit in before, you know, who knows what happens. Um, and so we kind of just um, all right then, you know, kind of started hunkering down and our, our city government called it sheltering in place. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I didn't end up seeing my parents, you know, those weeks, but I um, ended up uh, going into um, labor and my parents had been quarantining and being very diligent to, you know, not see anybody so that they could come down and take care of my other two kids for, you know, when I had the baby. So they were, you know, very, very safe. And my mom, especially, she had some underlying health conditions, nothing that was Um, you know, with life or death, she had a chronic bladder disease called interstitial cystitis. I think I said that right. And so she was, um, you know, definitely being very careful. She did not like pain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so she just knew that she, you know, would not want to get COVID. And so I remember, you know, they would, um, you know, they really limited who they saw. And, you know, we ended up having a baby and they came down and they stayed with us, you know, for about a week and, you know, took care of my kids and helped us make that adjustment. And then, um, you know, we all kind of, you know, canceled our family vacations and just hunkered down for the summer, you know, and just kind of lived life very quietly. Yeah. When did you have your baby? I had her April 21st. So, wow. so right at the beginning. Yeah, right at the beginning, like at that point, my, my doctor just said, um, we're not going to be able to test you, you know, to find out if you had COVID, but, you know, please let us know if you're having any symptoms, like even testing at that time wasn't really available um, to the masses at that point. Yeah. Did you have restrictions at the hospital, like with your husband going in and all that? Yeah, we were not allowed to have any visitors, except my husband was allowed. I'm very thankful for that. He was allowed and it was just no visitors. So my parents, you know, didn't come, you know, to the hospital. My husband's parents didn't. And you could just tell that nurses, you know, were always wearing masks, which had never really happened before in my other births. And there was just heightened, um, heightened procedures, but nothing really, you know, I wasn't tested. Um, There was no real nothing really changed too much about it. Okay. Yeah. My youngest daughter had a baby on February 15th, 2020. And it's funny to to think about now because her husband was there, her husband's mom, her stepmom and me. And at one point my ex-husband and my husband, and we were all there eating Hawaiian food together, just hanging out in this birthing room there were signs out there that said, you know, be cautious, use hand sanitizer, it's flu season, that kind of thing. But we had no idea at that point that so much was going to happen and so much was going to change. I look back on it now so fondly because who knows if that will ever happen again for people. I know. Little did we know. It's kind of surreal to look back, you know, in January and February. I live in Kansas City and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. 
that year, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're a football team. And I mean, you know, people were just going crazy with parties and food and, you know, celebration. And like, little did we know in a month, all of that would totally change. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild to, to look back on. And, and it seems like for me, I don't know how the experience is for you. It seems like it was a whole lifetime ago and it's not even two years. Yeah. It feels like a different life. Yeah. So when was the last time that you and your family saw your parents? Yeah. Um, man, July 23rd, I, uh, of 2021, we, uh, my family is my mom and my dad and then my brother and his wife, and they've got three kids. So there's, you know, when we were all together, there was 12 of us and we rented a house, um, this last summer of July 21. And we went to up to Lake Michigan together and um, we had a great week of, you know, just being on the lake. We didn't ever go out to eat. You know, we all stayed in. Um, at that point, um, everyone in my family who was eligible to be vaccinated was vaccinated except my mom. And we didn't really talk about it. Um, you know, obviously it made me feel a little bit safer, but because I had kiddos that weren't vaccinated, you know, I still was pretty cautious of, you know, not wanting to do a lot, um, indoors with big groups of people. And, um, and so, you know, we tried to be pretty safe, but we had a great week, um, together up at the lake. And then, you know, on, um, July 23rd, we kind of all rushed out of the house. It was raining cats and dogs and, you know, said a quick goodbye and, you know, we got on the road, we had a nine hour drive and so kind of moved on. And, you know, little did I know that would be the last time I hugged my mom. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Those memories that you hold on to and you have no idea. Yeah. yeah. We um, celebrated my mom's birthday on July 16th of 2020 at the window. Cause she was in a memory care and you know, I had no idea at the time it was going to be her last birthday. It was also my last window visit because the COVID outbreak happened there at the beginning part of August. And so they didn't even allow window visits after that. But wow, you just go through and do these things and, and don't think like that's the last time and we would do things completely differently if it, we knew it was the last time. Yeah, I have a lot of, I mean, I don't want to say regret, but I was, um, you know, that was in Michigan, but earlier in the summer, I went home and uh, for my nephew's birthday party, we just had a little barbecue for him and we were all together, but my kids were driving me nuts. You know, I've got a six-year-old boy and a four-year-old girl and they were tired and crabby and, you know, on my last nerve. And anyway, I ended up saying, we're just going to go home early. We can drive through the night and be home and sleep in our own beds. Kids can get rest. And I could tell that disappointed my mom, like, oh, but I'm, you know, she was having so much fun being a grandma. My kids were, you know, you know, having fun too. But, um, you know, I, I look back on that and just wish I would have stayed longer. That was the last time, you know, I was in my parents' home and everybody was there all together. And, you know, the family was whole, and um, man, if I could just go back, I, I think I would have stayed for a whole week, you know, and just done things differently. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are hard things. I have some of those two regrets about things I, I didn't do just because I didn't know the last day I saw my mom, I think I probably would have stayed in there until they dragged me out. But, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I went in and visited thinking, oh, it's only going to be a couple weeks or maybe a month and I'll be back in. Yeah. 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 So tell me about how COVID came into your mom's life. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's so um, present and yet sometimes it feels like a lifetime ago, but I remember getting a call from my mom on um, August 31st and it wasn't a great time to answer. I was, you know, picking up my daughter from somewhere and it just was kind of crazy. And she sent me a text when I didn't answer. And it said, you know, um, can you please call me right away? And so I then that got my attention and I gave her a call and she said, I think your dad has COVID. And I was like, oh shoot, you know, like, here we go. And 
I remember telling her in that phone call, like, dad's going to be okay. He was vaccinated and um, I'm not super worried about him, but I am a little concerned for you. And she responded like, oh, I'll, I'll be okay. You know, it'll be all right. And I just said, well, make sure you go get tested. And they set up a testing appointment that couldn't happen until I think um, the next day. So I think it was, or maybe two days, so September 2nd, and they both tested positive. And at that point, my dad really was feeling better. And so while he had a, a positive test and needed to quarantine, uh, my mom was asymptomatic and just knew that she was positive. And so I would say, um, you know, she maybe felt okay um, for a day or two, but then, you know, by September 5th, I wrote down, I, her text said, um, I've got a fever and I'm having trouble sleeping. I just, I don't feel good. And, you know, I, we talked a little bit then, and I mentioned, you know, do you want to go get some of those monoclonal antibodies? And she was just kind of resistant, um, to that. And I think just kind of felt like she would hunker down, rest and recover. And I think that was kind of maybe her mentality is, you know, in early COVID, you know, April of 2020 in May, you know, some people had reactions and then others were asymptomatic and you just kind of didn't know how it was going to pan out. But um, I think Delta was just a whole other variant, a whole other reality. And um, it just became clear that my mom was not getting better. And so on September 9th, um, my dad drove her out to the emergency room. She was able, you know, she had some tightening in her chest, but she walked in. And I personally, when my dad told me she's at the hospital, felt a lot of relief, like, great, let the professionals take care of her. They're going to tell her what to do. She'll do it she will get better. That was kind of my mentality. My mom was 65 years old. She was at a healthy weight, no real, um, you know, health issues to speak of, except, you know, a bladder issue. And I, while I wasn't pleased she was in the hospital, I wasn't panicking or anything. I thought, great, the doctors will, you know, do what needs to be done and hopefully she'll be okay. And you know, at that point, it just felt like every couple days, things just got a little bit worse. And I think in my head, I expected every couple of days, we'd see a little bit of improvement. And that wasn't the case, unfortunately. And just felt like, um, it just felt like there was, it, it wasn't trending in the right direction. And my dad at that point, they, because she was COVID positive and he was COVID positive, he wasn't allowed to be in the room with her, but after 10 days, so on September 19th, they let my dad come in and he was able to stay in the hospital room with her. And I thought, well, great, this is going to boost her spirits. Like she won't be lonely. You know, he'll be able to encourage her when she's, you know, trying to prone, lay on that, lay on her stomach. And, you know, each day I would talk to my dad and you know, try to FaceTime with my mom or, you know, text with her, but it just became clear that she was really struggling both mentally and physically. Her breathing was getting worse. Um, she was, you know, starting to feel hopeless. Um, you know, her lungs were starting, they were starting to pull more water off her lungs. So that kind of spoke to pneumonia. Her lungs weren't able to do what they needed to do. And, just slowly each day it got worse and worse. And then um, on September 23rd, my dad called me that night and he just said, I don't think she's going to die, but she just really is not doing well. You know, cause I was always trying to gauge like what's going on, you know, it's so difficult to like really, you know, it's just such a confusing disease. It's such a new disease that you just get a lot of, I don't know, like I've never seen anything like this from doctors and nurses. And, and then the next morning he called and he said, things aren't good. A pulmonologist came in and they said, if things don't improve over the weekend, we are looking at needing to ventilate her. And that was just a done to me. I mean, I was just stunned and heartbroken and scared and, you know, just 
okay, well, hopefully she improves, you know, and obviously praying and talking to doctors, you know, just kind of not panicking, but like really kind of desperate, you know, and, and kind of seeing the writing on the wall too. It's been almost, you know, two weeks and it's just been all bad news. When's it going to turn around? Yeah. And, um, I ended up coming home on Monday, even though my dad was in the hospital, I just thought, you know, I at least just need to be close. And, um, that Monday, like my mom couldn't stand up. She couldn't really swallow very well. She just was getting weak and things weren't going well. And, um, a doctor just said, you know, it's up to you. You, you know, my dad had medical power of attorney at that point. And he just said, you know, do you want to, um, do you want us to try everything? Do you want us to ventilate her or, you know, do you want us to make a, her comfortable? And my dad, my brother and I kind of just had a quick meeting and I said, well, I think we both agreed she's young, she's, or younger, you know, fairly healthy. Let's, let's try it. And so a doctor worked really hard and he found an opening for her at the University of Iowa hospital. And so on Tuesday morning, I think September 28th, um, they uh, put her on a ventilator and took her by ambulance to the University of Iowa. And, you know, for the next uh, 13 days, that's where she was kind of tucked away on that floor in the ICU. She had very good medical care. She had, um, you know, I believe she had what she needed that if she was going to recover, you know, she would have. And the first week at the University of Iowa, she did pretty well. And so maybe if she started off at, you know, 80% oxygen on the ventilator, she kind of weaned down to about 60% and, uh, you know, was getting further off. But um, after a week, everything kind of changed and she just started needing more and more oxygen. And, um, you know, when they tried to bring her out of sedation, she did not, um, she did not respond as well, or just, just things weren't um, trending right. Um, and we had a nurse who was a little bit abrasive, but she was very skilled. So, you know, take that for what it is. Like sometimes I loved Libby and other times I didn't really appreciate her, but um, she just said on, um, I think it was, you know, Friday, maybe October 9th, like, I think you should meet with a doctor about your mom. And, you know, we saw doctors and, you know, I would talk by phone. My dad saw my mom, you know, every single day in Iowa City. And, you know, I was up at Iowa City at certain points during that two weeks too. And doctors just kind of seemed like they were doing their thing, like doing their best. Time will tell. We will see. But this nurse just kind of tipped, tipped our hand that I think you need to meet with a doctor. And we set up a doctor's appointment then for October 11th. And when, um, you know, we just said, you know, it's been a couple of weeks, my mom, you know, doesn't seem to be getting better. We've, you know, what, what is, you know, what are you seeing? What should we, we be seeing? Are you encouraged, discouraged, you know, ask them kind of all of our burning questions. They kind of looked at us and said, we do not believe your mom's lungs are survivable oh. and that they're, um, you know, that she will, you know, survive this. And so we just asked, you know, what does that mean? And, and they just said, well, what kind of life would your mom want? You know, what would be a meaningful life for her? And I just said, you know, I think being able to go for a walk or, you know, see your grandkids. And they just said, yeah, we don't see your mom surviving and being able to do that. And I think in that moment, my dad, my brother and I just, you know, we crumbled, but we also felt like, okay, you know, because when you put somebody on a ventilator, you know that they can be on a ventilator for a long time and nobody wants that. Nobody wants their loved one to go through that. And so at some point you kind of have to say, where is this headed? And that October 11th, it was my 13th wedding anniversary actually, um, I felt like we had kind of some confirmation that my mom's lungs were too damaged to really survive. And so the next morning, you know, my dad, my brother and I, we talked for a long time and 
my mom this whole time had been very adamant that she did not want my brother and I to see her. You know, she, she's told my dad many times, you know, I want them to remember me like I was up at Lake Michigan, you know, full of life, doing all the things, loving her grandkids, you know, and so I really went back and forth, um, you know, did I want to honor that request or, you know, did I want to hug my mom and hold her hand when she took her last breath and really went back and forth and, um, and ultimately made the decision not to go up and hold her hands. The doctor said that they would allow, you know, my brother and I to go up and be with her, but um, we both, you know, decided not to. And my dad went in the next morning and prayed over her and um, played some worship music for her. And uh, my dad said she, you know, took two really weak breaths and then passed on, um, you know, very peaceful and quietly, but you know, it's kind of like earth shaking mm -hmm. to me, you know, what was maybe peaceful in that room was, um, you know, life-changing for me. And, and it's just hard to believe. Yeah. How do you feel about that decision now? Yeah, I think about it all the time. Um, you know, and I guess, I think in some ways it's, uh, been hard because, you know, I didn't get maybe a little bit of closure, um, that you get, you know, when you're there and you're together and you're seeing it with your own eyes. I also know that, you know, as a mom, um, I also can understand, you know, just wanting your kids to remember you a certain way. And, you know, what do I want my kids to remember about me? And yeah, it's not, me being on a ventilator. So I really, in some ways, I think it's made the grieving process, you know, maybe a little bit harder. In other ways, I feel like um, I have really good memories of my mom. And I, you know, I don't see her, um, you know, hooked up to machines or bloated or, you know, struggling. Um, and so some ways I feel peace, but I also know that um, it also is, been confusing yeah have you talked to your dad about it at all yeah my dad and I are very close I would say my dad and I really share similar personalities we're very um we're very verbal we like to talk and so even before this my dad and I have had a very strong relationship and a good bond and you know when my mom was in the hospital I mean I talked to my dad probably every four hours and I feel like my dad and I have a relationship where I can really with tact ask him about anything and and so I do I mean it's it's helped me a lot and just um you know when um uh, before she was on a ventilator, when he told me like, if things don't get better, this is not going to go well. She was still at the county hospital. And he told me then your mom doesn't want you to see her. I, I was sitting on my front porch. I have video on the ring doorbell of this. And um, he, you know, he told me that. And I just said, that feels so selfish to me. Like, doesn't she want to see me? Doesn't she want to hold my hand? You know, really grieved that. And I wept that night on my front step, you know, taking in that reality that I may never see my mom again. But then I also feel like um, life plays out as it does and you have to look forward, you know, and you can't kind of go back to that. So my dad is very gracious. He's very good at talking about things. He's very good about letting, you know, him and I process things verbally. And um, we do that a lot. I would say I talk to him, you know, almost every day and, you know, the hard days, I think we're able to comfort each other and, you know, the good days we're able to, you know, connect, but um, yeah, it's, it's been, um, you know, a hard journey for him, him and my mom dated, you know, starting when they were like 19 or something. And so they have a lot of years and a lot of history together. And, you know, watching my dad lose truly the love of his life, you know, has been a whole other sort of grief that's unfolded, you know, watching somebody you love hurt is hard. Yeah. Oh, I just had a question. And it, it left my brain. If I think of it, I'll come back to it. So 
were you able to have a a funeral for your mom? Yeah, you know, we ended up doing a, you know, Delta, when my mom passed, Delta was just kind of running wild in the Midwest. And so we elected just to have kind of a graveside um, tribute. My dad had his pastor come out and um, my mom's sister was there with her family and my brother, my family, my dad's family, um, he's got brothers and sisters. And so it was, it was pretty small and we played some worship music and later to rest um, in a beautiful spot. Um, and then the, um, we decided that we would have a, a celebration of life. So that's coming up in April. And so that's more when my mom had a large group of friends and she, uh, we've invited them to come to that as well as family and we'll remember her then. Yeah. At a, at a larger gathering where more people can be there. Yeah. And hopefully it'll be a, you know, a healthier, a healthy place where people can be safe. Yeah. I remembered my question and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but do you think that your mom possibly thought she might make it? And that she would see you afterwards, after she was out of the hospital? Yeah, I definitely think she hoped that. And I think that um, she had a tremendous faith, you know, so I, I think that she hoped that at that point, you know, October of 2021, I personally, and I, I would say she personally, didn't know anybody that had died of COVID. We had heard of people, we... Um, you know, knew it was, it could be a deadly virus, but personally hadn't known anybody. And so I always thought like, I don't know anybody who's passed away. Surely my mom is not going to pass away. Like the one person I know who passes is my mom. That was hard to fathom. So I think we did have great hope. I do think when she started feeling like it was harder to breathe and the illness, you know, set in deeper in her lungs that that fear did come up. I remember receiving a text from her one day, just I'd sent her a picture of one of my kids and she just said, I hope I get to snuggle her again, you know? And I just um, kind of thought, yes, stay strong, you will, you know? But I, I think that um, she did kind of, well, I know that she came to terms with my dad early on in the hospital and spoke of, you know, the regret that she didn't receive a vaccine, that she chose not to get a vaccine. And so I think she carried that regret with her a little bit, but, um, you know, I, I don't think, yeah, I think her hope was that she would, you know, come out of the hospital better, obviously. Yeah. And and even though there's no way to know, you you just can't know how your mom would have fared against COVID had she been vaccinated, although everything tells us that she probably would have done better. Yes. But that's that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about because you, when you first reached out to me, you said that you've worked through and and are coping with your mom's choice and forgiving her and, and all of that. And I wanted you to talk about that because it's only been four months since she passed away. So you're in your first year and, and really just that first haze. I mean, I felt like I was in a fog for months afterwards. Mm -hmm. And how are you, how are you coping with all of this? Yeah, it's definitely an extra layer, that reality that she made a decision that was so impactful to all of us. Um, you know, a death anytime is very hard, but, um, you know, a death to me that felt preventable is kind of an extra layer of sadness and frustration, um, anger. And I mean, yeah, I'm definitely early in grief, but I also feel like, um, you know, you kind of have to make some decisions about how you're going to respond. And I think knowing that my mom recognized that, you know, she made a mistake and owned that to me meant that I was going to offer her forgiveness. You know, that's, you know, my family, um, we are believers and 
you know, part of the, the gift of, you know, being a believer in Jesus means that, um, you know, we offer forgiveness and it's hard to forgive people. Um, and, and it is hard sometimes for me not to be angry or frustrated, but I, I do think that, um, empathy and, uh, just, you know, reminding myself that I too make mistakes. I too have made bad judgment calls and thankfully they have not costed me my life yet. Um, and so just knowing that I need that forgiveness too, at times it allows me to want to offer that to my mom. What I have struggled more with at times is shame and embarrassment. I think that, um, there is just so much, so many layers to the vaccine and so many political layers to COVID that it really takes away from the humanity of, you know, that the, that people die from this disease. People who appear perfectly healthy don't live. And, and I think I just always have to be careful to choose, um, you know, humanity. And even, and even before I would say like, I was, you know, I got vaccinated and I felt great about that, but I kind of knew my mom was hesitant and nervous and not, you know, not feeling good about the vaccine. And I really couldn't understand that and really didn't agree with it. And frankly, felt annoyed. Like, this is so dumb. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It just felt so silly. Um, my mom was not a Republican. She was not like pro-Trump. Um, I, I really struggled to understand why she made that decision, but I need to work and have sympathy and empathize, you know, that um, her battle with chronic illness, um, you know, just the reality of having to watch everything that goes into her body so that she wouldn't feel pain. And um, that, that was a big part of her life. And I don't have that. I don't have that part of my life. And so seeking to kind of walk a mile in her shoes is, is, uh, something that I have to choose to do. I also feel like, um, you know, I struggle with shame and embarrassment. Even, I didn't even tell a lot of people my mom was in the hospital because I thought that they would think, well, I thought, well, is she vaccinated? And then I would have to say no. And then they would say, well, that's, well, this is preventable, you know, and not really, care you know they would just think how dumb that she didn't get vaccinated and and I think you know I've had to just say that I don't think we as humans are meant to live in shame and embarrassment I don't think it does anything productive for us and for me to grieve and to move forward I just had to own what it was and it was a costly mistake and I'm not gonna hide you know I my mom made so many tremendous decisions in her life. So many good decisions. She helped so many people. She was, she, I mean, I don't want to sum up her life in that she made the mistake and yeah. is no longer here. Yeah. Yeah. There was so much more to her than yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. And, and I hear what you're saying about how it's so politicized there's there's so much with covid that is um so much politics and there's very differing viewpoints without a lot of kindness in the middle you know i hope i really really hope that as as we continue to go into this cuz covid i don't think is going away no. uh, that that people come into, I guess, the middle, some, some understanding that every, every single number, every single person of the over 900,000, you know, was loved, uh, yeah. had a family. Um, your mom was a grandma and, and you have kids that you're going to be keeping her memory alive to them, but she's not going to be there to do that. Mm -hmm. and it's a heartbreak like I think my mom might there's a good chance my mom would still be alive right now if it weren't for COVID right and and everything with her happened so far before there was even vaccines 
And yet I, I still feel so frustrated by that whole thing of, well, what did they die of? Were they vaccinated? What else was wrong with them? Like it makes their death less important or less of, a, of this heavy grief for us. Yes, all of that. And I, <laughs> I just think too, there's just no way to know. I mean, this disease has just come upon us like a, you know, a tsunami and there's just been no way to know how it was all, how it's all going to play out. Every variant is such a wild card. And even I am so pro vaccine and I would tell everybody, please go get vaccinated. However, vaccines are, you know, struggling to keep up, you know, with this, this disease as well, you know, it's the way, you know, you, you will probably have to get revaccinated and reboosted. And so it just, yeah, I think humility and kindness in this politicized culture goes a long way to people who are hurting to people who I mean, have mental illness. This is this pandemic has, I think, kind of humbled all of us in terms of, you know, it's isolated us. It's, you know, it's made us get on teams and it's just very hard to then enter into the grieving process and wanting to heal with such a fire all around regarding COVID. Yeah. Have you had anybody react um, more negatively when you have talked about your mom? I have a lot of people that, um, I, you know, I think overall I've had, um, people who have been very kind. I will say too, I'm not, um, searching out a lot of people. I am not active on social media. I'm not post I've, you know, I've never posted about my mom on social media or anything. I've kind of tried to, um, you know, keep my circle, a, a safe place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are people that are a little bit insensitive, you know, and, and just don't kind of realize the trauma of losing somebody like your mom, or, you know, maybe don't know what to say, or uh, maybe are cavalier in their attitude, and they don't realize, well, that's triggering, or that's, that's hard to hear, you know, but I, I also see it in myself that there were times, you know, before I experienced this where I was a little uh, cavalier and judgmental, you know, and experienced like the frustration of this, or I would say things like this could all be over if people would just go get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think I've just had to, you know, really kind of take this time and look at myself and kind of try to keep the people around me as safe as possible. I I am very careful. I don't watch a lot of um, COVID type news at this point. And I, um, you know, I, I just kind of keep to the people that I know that I can, I can trust. Yeah. When I first joined the Facebook group for COVID loss, somebody uh, welcomed, there was a a person who did all the welcomes and said, welcome to the club that you never wanted to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And what you were saying about this could all be over if people would just get vaccinated. I think that that's a, that, that was, I, at least I hope it was an attitude that people have and that it's something that is changing now because every single day, even now there are people that are dying of COVID and that for me, just, it breaks my heart. It, it's really hard for me to, to take that. There's so many more people just coming into this kind of grief. Yeah. So what was your mom's name? Yeah. My mom was, uh, Julia. She went by Julie. So Julie Ann Yepsen. And one of the things I want to ask, what are, what's something like, what do you miss the most about her? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, my mom was a really good grandma and obviously every grandma is great, but my mom had a love for imaginary play. My mom was a, a special ed teacher until, uh, I think kind of around the time I was born, she started staying at home 
And she, even then, when she stayed at home with me, was always, you know, she did the children's church um, at the church we went to. She loved to be creative with kids. And so these six little grandkids, I mean, just like they lived for Grandma Julie. <laughs> and and um, I mean, it's also deeply painful. I can smile and cry, you know, thinking about it. But I just have this memory um, of like last year, I think both my kids were, uh, my big kids were home there. They were, you know, three and five. And I just remember I told them that morning, um, you know, Grandpa Tommy and Grandma Julie, they're coming down for the weekend. And they, my kids waited at the door oh. all day, like just talking about the play they were going to do with their grandma. And as soon as my mom walked in the door, I mean, she loved me, but she was not there to see me. <laughs> And I mean, she took my kids down to our basement playroom and I did not see them, you know, until dinner that night. And, you know, my kids talked about playing school with grandma Julie and she'd take them through a whole school day. And, you know, my dad would be recruited to be the PE teacher or, you know, something like that. But she just played so hard with her grandkids. And I just don't think I will ever forget that or ever not be touched by that. Um, and I think too, like she, she was a pretty dynamic woman in terms of she loved to travel and she loved, I mean, as a believer, she just loved to, um, you know, teach the Bible and she loved to, um, help people who were poor. She never wanted to be any sort of like society person. She didn't want to, you know, she just wanted to be in relationship with people who were hurting or people who had a hard life and just show love. And so she would, I mean, she was in Uganda in 2019. She helped, you know, an orphanage there. She went and visited um, some lepers in India, I think in 2015. She was in Kenya in 2015. She went to Jamaica um, my mom did, my mom and my dad both did foster care while we were growing up. She just really wanted to be a champion for people who had had a hard life. So whether that was alcoholism or going through a hard divorce or, you know, a single mom that didn't have any money, well, my mom could do childcare for her. She just loved people and wanted to kind of advocate for them. And I just saw her do that in my kids' lives so much when she would, um, we, you know, they'd be driving me crazy or they would, um, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. push my buttons. That's when my mom would get them playing steamboat and they would be on their imaginary steamboat going down the Mississippi river living the dream. And, you know, as a mom that's tired and crabby and, you know, home all day and in a pandemic and nursing a baby, like I just needed that so much. And so I will just always treasure those memories. And I also don't think I'll ever forget the sadness and the devastation when I told my son, you know, that grandma Julie wasn't, he wasn't going to see her again, you know, that we were going to go up and say goodbye to her, you know, and have a little service, but that she had passed away. And I don't think I will ever forget that night and, and watching his little world change forever too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you have to keep her memory alive for him. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. My mom loved being a Nana. She was yeah. the best at that. I, I think that I wish we could start there, right? Being yeah. grandparents and then go back. That's probably the better way to do it. I know. Um, so how are things in Missouri right now? Yeah, um, I mean, Omicron definitely worked its way through and really, um, I mean, it felt like everybody vaccinated or not you know, was kind of testing positive for a while. Yeah. This day, I don't think anyone, my husband, my three kids, myself, I don't think we have ever had it. Um, but yeah, we, we kept things pretty tight, you know, over the holidays with just my dad and, you know, just my husband's parents, um, you know, didn't see a lot of extended family, mm -hmm. but yeah, Omicron kind of worked its way through and now it's really kind of tapering off, which, you know, it has its good and it's bad. Obviously, I'm thankful, you know, that we're seeing less of it. But unfortunately, um, 
I think that, you know, people's guards get let down and, uh, you know, people stop, you know, wearing their mask or, you know, maybe do a little bit more socializing or start going to concerts. And I think that can be hard or triggering, like, you know, it's hard when people are ready to move on and you kind of feel stuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, sometimes I feel that way, like the whole world wants to move on and is ready to travel. And um, I'm still kind of stuck back in that October place of, wow, this took everything from me, you know? Yeah. yeah that, um, that new normal, I just, mm. I have hated that from, well, not hates a strong word. I haven't liked that since the beginning because there isn't normal. There isn't normal for you or me or anybody else who's lost somebody to COVID ever again. It, it, it takes, and then, and then it hurts in this way that's hard to explain to people who haven't felt it. So have you sent in your mom's name to any of the memorials or done any of, of that in any way? You know, I really haven't. And I think I, I always think about it. And I think that if there was a national memorial, you know, coming up, I know they did the flags. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think she'd passed at that point. And I, I think I would want her name, you know, on there or a part. Um, but I haven't really, you know, I, obviously I listened to this podcast and I've heard about a lot of them through that. I just haven't really pursued it. Some of it is that I don't, you know, I don't really know how she'd feel about that. Yeah. I, I just don't really know, you know, how much she wants to, you know, be re reminded for having passed of COVID or, and then some of it's just, honestly, I've kind of hunkered down and had to deal with, you know, my feelings and my pain and wanting to kind of process and, and see, you know, where that comes up, but I definitely think I would want her name on a national memorial. And I, I do, you know, try to be clear that, um, you know, my mom passed from COVID and that this is something like I want to take serious and I want to, you know, not be flippant about this illness and not be casual about this illness because every day it is taking lives and lives that should be celebrated and, you know, lives that should be celebrating birthday parties and wedding anniversaries and holidays. So definitely not opposed to it. I think I've just been kind of in my own, like you said, kind of a little fog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things. For me, when I sent her name into the flags, my mom's name in, and I got the picture, and I just cried that that was one of the first ones I'd ever done. It makes it real. Yeah. It makes it real to see their names somewhere with all those other names. Yeah. So lastly, I want to ask you what I ask everybody, which is what do you say to people who tell you that COVID isn't real? Yeah. Ooh. I think that I don't know. I think that I've had a hard time kind of speaking up and speaking out. I can certainly share my story. I'm I'm thankful that I haven't really had anybody say that to me. I definitely see it on TV and in the newspapers, but I don't think at this point um, anybody has, you know, really said that. And hopefully that's because now that we're two years in, I hope people have seen how very real it is, but I would be more than happy to show them a picture of my mom who was vibrant and healthy eating an ice cream cone in Michigan, you know, in July, planning a scavenger hunt on the beach for her grandkids. And, you know, and then now show her, you know, a picture of her gravestone, you know, and, and just saying it's, it's very real and it's very serious and please go get vaccinated. I think where I have like spoken up the most is uh, when people aren't vaccinated, mm -hmm. I do feel compelled to kindly say, I can understand why you think that way. I can understand your fears and I have lived that. But I can tell you after watching everything my mom went through, if she could do it again, 
she would go get vaccinated and just encourage them to have a conversation with their doctor, you know, and to go that direction. And, you know, and hopefully that would happen. My dad has been much more vocal about the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's been people in his sphere, whether in a Bible study or he still kind of works at the school district part-time and, and he will just say to them, you know, you know, my story. And I can tell you that that's not what the data says and that you would be, you know, making a wise decision to go get vaccinated. And so he's been really good. And there have been several people, you know, who have heard my mom's story from us that have, you know, made that decision. And, and there have been other people that have not. And, um, at that point, I just have to let it be and, and trust that, you know, for whatever reason, they're making the decision for their body that they feel comfortable with Mm -hmm. and continue to be in relationship with them. You know, I don't want to cut myself off from people that think differently or people who, you know, maybe trigger me, but I just really want to seek to be in people's lives, even when they, you know, maybe have a different opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If anything, the isolation of the time since COVID started has, has taught us that, that our relationships are important. People in our lives are important and, and keeping those relationships, mm-hmm. regardless of, of differences is it's, it's important. It, it keeps us connected. Yeah. I want to thank you for sharing your story and your mom's story. I, I really appreciate it. I, I think it's important right now because I feel like a lot of people don't want to talk about it. They don't, they don't want to share. And, and maybe even like you with the the shame are, are not saying anything, but we're, we're all out there. We, we all have this loss and, and I just, I'm so grateful that you reached out to me and wanted to do this. Yeah, I really appreciated it. It feels healing for me in a way. I think not only to honor her and honor what she went through, you know, fighting this virus, but then also to just say like, you know, to anybody out there that's ever made a decision that they regretted or to anyone out there that's you know, maybe not talking about their loved one that they lost and they're grieving in private, that they're not alone. A lot of, you know, they're not alone. You're not alone. And, um, and people can be such instruments of peace and hope and healing. And I think, um, you know, continuing to fight for that relationship, even if there is, you know, a level of, you know, shame or embarrassment to, you know, not let that, put a wedge between us or to, you know, not let that, I don't know, to not live in that place, but to move forward. Yeah. Well, yeah, you are definitely doing that. You are helping a lot of people. I, I, I really hope that people who listen to this, who have lost someone recently feel like they can talk to their family and their friends and reach out and not grieve all by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate this. And that's the show, everyone. If you've lost a loved one to COVID and would like to share your story on the show, please send me an email. My email address is for those we lost podcast at gmail.com. This show won't ever have a member's area or episodes that you have to pay to listen to, but there are expenses to hosting a podcast. And if you'd like to help, You can support this show at buymeacoffee.com backslash for those we lost. The link is in the notes below. If you like this episode, please share the show. Share it with your friends, share it on your social media, and once you've done that, rate and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And then go rate it on Apple Podcast, because that's where most of our new listeners come from. Ratings and reviews are the main way this show finds new listeners. So please share the show. Until next time.